0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: A new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SCN Track.
2: Happy Grand Final Weekend to you and all who sail with you. It's Saturday. We're live from Wollongong Golf Club, a picture, postcard, perfect Wollongong Golf Club. Which makes us Saturdays in the Gong, fifteen seventy-five AM on SEN Traculawarra, or for the first hour on eleven seventy in Sydney, sandwiched in between the Sunday set with Mick Gannon and Nick Ashman. Hope you've done your form there. And the Mowers Club comes up at nine o'clock. What a weekend we have coming! Tomorrow night, 7.30, Penrith and Brisbane, the grand final. We all knew we had to have the NRLW grand final tomorrow afternoon at 3.55, Newcastle up against the Gold Coast. This afternoon, AFL Collingwood flagpies up against Brisbane. We're going to let our producer, Dave, a mad Collingwood fan, loose later in the show. The NBL tips off uh, for the Illawarra Hawks tonight across the road here at uh, Wind Entertainment Centre, 8pm. The Hawks up against the dreaded Sydney Kings, who are chasing a three-beat three beat, uh, this season. Rugby Union, well, the Wallabies are playing someone on Monday. I can't remember it. Portugal, really? Portugal is it? I don't know. Eddie Jones is looking for flights into to Tokyo. And racing, Kerry Parker chasing a Group 1 Epsom with Superstar. Hope in your heart around the $8 mark. Bang the gong, plenty more. This is Saturday's In the Gong. I'm Tim Barrow. Joining me, Illawarra Mercury senior sports writer Mitch Jennings. Good morning, Jeno.
3: Good morning. What a morning it is here. I just had one of the punters here at the uh, at the golfy. So what a day for the race, the
2: human race, and uh, can't argue. Absolutely <laughs> picturesque. Nowhere else you'd rather be. It's absolutely serene here this morning, thanks to our sponsors, to Avcon, specialising in industrial and response projects. Find Ryan Burke at the team at avconprojects.com.au. Impact garage doors, impacting homes for twenty years, and our employer, the Illawarra Mercury, subscribe online today at illawaramercury.com.au. Righto, Ojeno. let's get stuck in the NRL Grand Final. A little bit of Natalie Imbruglia, a little bit of torn in the Jennings household. Obviously your father, Graham played for Penrith. You came through the under-20 system at Penrith, but you also grew up being a bit of a, a Broncos fan. Obviously uh, the, the likes of Steve Renoff catching your eye as a kid, so... A bit of, bit of uh, divided loyalties in the family.
3: Yeah, hadn't thought, of, hadn't thought about it until this, this week, Baz, because, yeah, you're right. Uh, my old man very much, uh, you know, a Panthers man and still a mighty Panthers man. And he uh, obviously took me there. My first ever game of rugby league was at Penrith Park. He took me there to turn me into a, into a Panthers fan. They happened to play the Broncos that day and the Pearl happened to run a hat-trick down the eastern touchline right where I was standing. <laughs> so he made me a Broncos fan for the, the best part of the next two decades. I will say I'm, I'm long lapsed. Basically, as a, as yeah. a fan, I'm not going to jump. It'd be it'd be untoward to jump back on the bandwagon now. But yeah, yeah some uh, some divided loyalties. But uh, yeah, it's it's like you said, torn is is the way you go when you pick it. I can't remember Baz the anticipation for just the what. What strikes me about it is it's two sides at the peak of their powers, and obviously they've got some niggles and drone blue an And obvious exception to this, but I can't remember two sides that seem to be coming in at the top of their game and peaking at the same time as far as fitness they're not wounded you know from recent memory you can just recall there's always been a side that's come in off a week off and perhaps another side that you go oh they've had a couple of brutal games can yes. they get back up again but they've both come through and one their, their finals trajectory has been very similar it hasn't been one that's taken a huge toll on either so they're both coming in Prime to just ready to peak on, on grand final day. and It's just a recipe for a belter. I can't wait.
2: It could be one of the great grand it finals. It, it really is a grand I'm Probably six or eight weeks ago, maybe even a little bit longer and sort of pegged that the Broncos were the one team that could possibly take Penrith down. Obviously, Rhys Walsh is the man to watch. So I'm really intrigued to see how Penrith approached that defensively because Stephen Crichton, I think, is going to have a really big job to do there. Absolutely. I think I think the whole team has a job to do on, on Rhys Walsh.
3: I've seen the comparisons start to come about Billy Slater in recent times. and he He's like that. Billy set a new standard, I think, in just his ability to be present everywhere in the game. He'd sweep from one side, then sweep back to the other. You couldn't keep him out of the game. And I think Reese Walsh is similar in that regard. So I think everyone... From in Penrith from sideline to sideline he's going to need to be on to, to limit his impact because it's just special it's a special run of form he's in and his ability was funny we were talking about you know the speed that you have I don't know seen anyone with sideways speed quite like Reece Walsh it's not just his ability in a straight, straight line he seems to, to swerve and gather speed as he skips across the park just so thrilling and enthralling to, to watch and yeah there'll be plenty of eyes on him obviously through the game uh, tomorrow night
2: Where do you think the benchmark sits for, for Brisbane? I mean it, it's simplistic to break it down this way but you know to beat Penrith you've got to be completing up around 80% or more you've probably got to find four tries in the game and you can't let the early stages slip, you can't be chasing the game so you know the, the first probably 20 minutes half an hour or if they're getting to half time and even if it's say 12-10 either way, Brisbane really have to be in the contest early obviously you don't
3: yeah, they do, and this is—it's it's a good question, Baz, and it's something that's you know got on my radar this week. And you know, these things come out in, in grand final week. I, I, I'm, I don't really buy into this theory that the Broncos must have twenty plus offloads to, to beat this Panthers side. And people saying, "Oh, you can't beat Penrith that way. You have to—you have to do it this way. You have to go out of the box." And I think that's something that. Penrith, with their dominance and the way, you know, they play and they're so methodical, they actually come out and they can bluff teams into thinking they need to do more than they do. They need to reinvent the wheel to beat them. And with sides with less of an Arsenal than Brisbane, that's probably the case. You probably do have to find something, chance your arm and hope for the bounce a little bit. Mm. I don't think this Brisbane side needs to do that. I know it was a very different stage of the season, but they beat Penrith in round one, offloading the ball four times. Mm. They had less possession. They lost every stat that night and snuck home by that one point. Now, I know it's a very different stage of the season. They they can't afford to be that behind in the in the numbers to win a grand final, but I don't buy this theory that they have to suddenly become the the Harlem Globetrotters to get this done. I think it'll come down to whether they trust themselves and back themselves in the grind with Penrith. Yeah. And if it's going tough and it is going set for set and it's going to be a grind <laughs> that goes into the back end, I think if Brisbane can back themselves in that, trust themselves in that, I think that's the key to victory. I, a lot of people have read, have read a lot into... Parramatta's sort of head-to-head success against Penrith in recent years and pointed to the offloads. Well, they had not, they threw 19 offloads in the grand final and they completed at 70% and got blown out. If you look at the teams that have beaten Penrith this year, Cowboys, 84%. Parramatta, when they won earlier in the year, 85%. Tigers, when they won in the wet there Bath, is 90% completions. Completions and looking after the footy is the key to beating Penrith, not coming up with offloads. Now, they, Brisbane might come out, and, and throw twenty offloads and, and win the game. You can't be afraid of offloading the ball, but coming in with a preconceived notion that you have to start, you know, being St. Bill Williams <laughs> and yeah. start pulling these offloads out everywhere. It's a recipe for disaster. I think they need to get in the grind, trust themselves, back themselves in the grind and I think they can I think they can get it done. The forward packs match up really well. Adam Reynolds, one of the few halves in this game that can go into a game and be on par with Nathan Cleary in the kicking game stakes. I think back yourselves in the grind, make it a slugfest. They can get it done that way. They don't need to become the Harlem Globetrotters on the night.
2: Yeah, it's a great word you use, trust, because I look at the Storm last week. The game blew out as the game went on, but the Storm had their chances. The execution just wasn't there. When they went left a couple of times and they really had the chance to open the Panthers up and they made mistakes both times there in that first half, if they score even one of them it's a different sort of game and they're right in the contest but they just didn't trust themselves when it matters and that's I think the difference between Brisbane is that they do trust themselves, they do back themselves, they know exactly where they're at, they're not a puncher's chance that are just coming in to have a swing they, they believe in their system and exactly where they're at and I think they're the type of team that like the Panthers who have now been in four straight grand finals Brisbane are the type of team who themselves could be in two or three or four of the next five or six grand finals. So I think they've got, you know, the makings of a super team themselves. Yeah, they do. And Adam
3: Reynolds said as much this week. He said, you know, in regards to what I was just speaking about, he said, look, we know our brand of footy. We trust our brand of footy. You know, we know it's good enough to to get the job done. And, you know, this is a guy that's played a lot of finals games. I wrote about it this week, Baz. He's the intriguing story of me. is Adam Reynolds. And I went back to, you know, when he was at South Sydney, we all agree that was probably a monumental blunder for South to... To let him go, but I remember the discussion at the time and, you know, Cooper Cronk came out at the time and said, look, he's gone to three straight prelims, hasn't got over the, managed to get over the hump, you you want more bang for your buck was the words he used at the time. I analysed it this week, Baz, just having a look on the back of those comments about bang for buck and against some of his contemporaries, and you look at those million dollar players, and Adam Reynolds has never been in that million dollar conversation, but... Mm. He, as, far, as far as finals record goes, if you compare him against some of the halves that have been in that, if you look at Daly Cherry Evans, you look at Ben Hunt, you look at Mitchell Moses, as far as finals records go, Adam Reynolds has more appearances, he has more wins. As far as overall career win percentage, he has a far better win percentage than all those guys. Now, it's a far more nuanced argument to suggest who's the superior player, who's not. There's a, there's a whole bunch of things that go into that. But in the numbers and in the value for money stakes, I don't think there's been better than Adam Reynolds in the last decade. I think he's been criminally underrated. So for him to go up there, in, to come here in this game, his legacy, it can be really legacy-defining for Adam Reynolds, for mine, because he hasn't had the opportunities at rep level that he probably should have been entitled to at different times. So he hasn't got the resume of those guys I spoke about at, at rep level. But to come here to transform what was a fallen powerhouse into the side now, and if he can get a grand final win, and it's unequivocally his team. He came through at South with you know the, the Burgess and the Inglis there, and then as they left... The Latrell Mitchells and the Cardi Walkers arrived. South was never quite definitively his team. This is his team. The Broncos, if he'd come down, knock off what a lot of people think, you know, is the best team of the NRL era and doing it. Well, tell you what, he gets his due then and we probably have to look back and realise we've all, you know, undersold him and underrated him for the last, you know, decade.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing for for Reynolds is, is that mark of needing the premiership in terms of ticking the last box. He was was probably in the wrong place at the wrong time in terms of representative footy, and Nathan Cleary has gone past him, um, you know, in, in terms of that representative level, even though New South Wales obviously lost the series this year. But Reynolds is the player who... I don't know whether you can kick Penrith to death, but he's the type of player who will get in and, you know, kick early, make the the Penrith forwards turn around and do a lot of work early, so...
3: Yeah, exactly, and like I said, there's very few people that can go into a game against Penrith and have a, a kicking arsenal on par with Cleary. It's very similar in both regards, really. Luai has a sort of a short-kicking game, as you know, but they're, they're primary kickers and they do it from top to bottom, so he's... Like, like I said, it, he's got a far superior record to a lot of his contemporaries when it comes to finals games and big games. Uh, and it's hard its hard to get over the hump. And he, he won that one early in his career. I, not the same because there was there was not a shred of an asterisk over his first premiership in 2014. He was a halfback young player, key cog in that. But almost that Jonathan Thurston effect. Remember we spoke to him. He had that premiership where he was you know parachuted in the week of when Steve Price had that injury with the Bulldogs. And yeah. then... He did so much at origin level and became... He was an immortal with or without the premiership, let's face it. Ford Alley, all that type of stuff. But it was that Keystone moment, that grand final kick in the field goal and having that premiership towards the back end of his career. That was what was going to be the last sort of legacy-defining part you know, of, of his career. Adam Reynolds, I'm not saying he's in that echelon with, with Jonathan Thurston, but, yeah, with all those factors going into it, it's there's so many strands of the Adam Reynolds story all sort of coming together in this grand final so it's probably, you talked about my, my divided loyalties and my torn loyalties I'm not really, I don't really have a sentimental dog in this fight but I'm slightly rooting for that Adam Reynolds story because it'd be great to see a guy like that sort of get his due in so many ways here at that the back end of what's just been such a, a great career.
2: Yeah, absolutely Well, going back to Crichton. I mean, he's, he's off to the Dogs next year, and I'm hoping he has the, the same impact in a team that desperately needs a, a pick-me-up of uh, what was a pretty much disastrous year for the Dogs. But, you know, he he's played both sides in terms of defending. Uh, he's a strike weapon who can, can grab an intercept, which is going to trouble the, the Broncos in terms of their attacking patterns anyway, but he's also just such a great defensive player, so... Uh, the Broncos will probably be, have to be most mindful of him in terms of how their defensive structures match up
3: yeah absolutely he's fantastic on both sides of the ball Stephen Crichton and he's you know like you said he can play both sides there's there's very little there's nothing he doesn't doesn't have in his arsenal and you know grand finals are one on defense particularly on that edge and like you mentioned earlier on they're going to have to do a job on on reese walsh and and really that that sweeping line that he likes to run on that side it's going to be very difficult to to handle, so he's going to have a, a job to do. The center matchup is is fantastic, really, on both sides of the park, you know, and I, I think... Herbie
2: Farnworth, how yeah, good's he
3: going? Exactly, I mean, and would you have thought, coming into the year, there's so many good centres in the competition, would you have thought he'd have moved into that centre of the year, top echelon status? Mm-hmm. I didn't. I can say that, as much as he'd come off that World Cup with England and mm-hmm. was certainly coming along, he's got that bit of an injury cloud, but apparently, I think... It's just uh, all precautionary. He's going to be okay. So, yeah, the, the battle there. There's battles all across the park. You look. at, I mean, I'm salivating at the thought of um, Flegler and Haas against Leota and Fisher-Harris. And obviously, the big one, if you're looking at the head-to-head matchups, you know Carrigan and, and Yo can go a long way to it. I think. I think if either side wins, I think the lock forward will probably be the Clive Churchill medalist, whichever way you know that that coin falls. So, very interesting. But uh, what I was also thinking about was this Broncos side. You talk about grand final experience and everything else. Those guys, Flegler, Carrigan, you know, Capewell to a degree, Walsh, they've come up against these Penrith guys, Yo, Cleary, these sorts of guys at origin level, and given them a bit of a bath in recent times. So I don't think they're going daunted by that either. They're a lot of origin experience, big game experience. Yes, it's not a grand final, and this is where Penrith have just got it done time and time Again, there's been comparisons to this Broncos outfit, to that Penrith outfit that went down to Melbourne, you know, against the sort of established champs a couple of years back. But oh,
4: we Learn more at marines.com.
3: We Could talk about it all day, couldn't we, Baz? There's just so many matchups, so many storylines. It's mm-hmm. it's just all going to culminate in what you know we we all feel is going to just be one of the one of the great grand finals.
2: All right, who wins and why? I'm
3: going the Broncos. I'm going to go the upset. I think it's their time. I think it's Adam Reynolds' time. As I said, I think I just think they're they're right for it. Got Kevi Walters in charge, looking to become the first player to win. Premiership as a player He's won multiple as a player And then to win one as a coach He knows how to navigate this week So I'm leaning The upset There's every reason to to tip Penrith But I think I'm going to go the upset I'm going to go Brisbane by four uh, Pat Carrigan, Clive Churchill
2: medal I'm going to say Penrith by 6 or 8 only because I think it's going to be an absolutely epic contest but Brisbane are more likely to make a mistake when it matters and I just think Penrith are just going to build and build and build that pressure and there'll be a moment when it really counts I just just feel like Penrith are more likely to take advantage of it it should be an absolute belter uh, we're going to go to a break but afterwards we're going to be talking NRLW Grand Final with Women's Rugby League legend and commentator Tasha Gale
1: There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track.
2: Saturday morning Doesn't get any better Doesn't get any better fire you up On grand final weekend Speaking of the best We've got Fox Sports Commentator And women's rugby league Legend Tasha Gale On the phone We're going to talk The NRLW grand final Tomorrow afternoon The Knights And the Titans Good morning to you Tasha
0: Good morning gentlemen How are we this morning?
2: Brilliant. We're here at the Wollongong Golf Club. It's an absolute picture-perfect day here. We're so excited for Grand Final weekend. Uh, it's an exciting NRLW Grand Final. Obviously, the Knights march in, chasing another premiership and uh, probably reasonably firm favourites. But, gee, the Titans, weren't they impressive last week?
0: They were so impressive. They're hitting form right at the right time. Look, the Knights go in as heavy favourites and deserve this deservedly so. But uh, gentlemen, can I get in early and tip an upset?
3: Oh, absolutely you can, Tasha. And I'll tell you what, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think the Titans this year have made a habit of winning tough. I think especially since Karen Murphy, such a thoroughly deserved coach of the year, that call of Lauren Brown to half-back and that decision coming a little bit at the expense of one of the marquee recruits in Vallejo-Falmiano. It's a big call to make, but it's got them where they are. Their their ability to win tight ones. Do you think that's the key, Tush? Do you think it'll be the Titans will need to make sure they're in the contest, but if they give themselves a chance late, it becomes an even-money game?
0: Absolutely. I think that both teams are very good. They've got very good uh, defensive records, but the Titans, they kept the best attacking team in the NRLW competition. They kept them to zero last week. And we all know that defence wins games, but, geez, they they really were in the grind. They, they showed, like, true grit. And I think the heat uh, in tomorrow, it's supposed to be, like, 30-odd degrees. Yep. The, um, the heat may well take its toll a little bit. I have not seen the... Uh, the two prop forwards Shannon Martor and Jessica Ellison so fit they are the fittest they've ever ever been and I think they'll endure those sort of conditions you add Georgia Hale who averages the most tackles per game locking up the middle it'll be a grind up the middle but that's what I think will get them over the line in the end
3: I'm with you on that as well, Tasha. I think Jessica Elliston and uh, Shannon Mato. Shannon Mato for mine, she's up there alongside Millie Boyle. I think she's moved up into that echelon as far as being, you know, one of the, the top handful of, of front rowers in the competition as a one-two punch, probably not too dissimilar to Fisher Harris and, and Moses Leota for for Penrith. Georgia Hale key of oh, that lock forward battle with Hannah Southwell. It's a bit like the men's grand final as far as there's matchups all across the park, you know, and Tamika Upton at the back. If you had to pinpoint you know, a, a key matchup. Tasha, what excites you in, in the head-to-head stakes in this one?
0: In this one, I think you give Varney Politi a job to do, and she is so tough; she will do it. Tamika Upton, I think they're both different. They're my matchup, but I think they're both different fullbacks. Like Varney Politi, will just run right over the top of you. Very smart, knows where to position herself. Tamika Upton, I, I refer to her as like a a stealth spider plane, Like, you know she's out there, you know she's dangerous, but she's already passed you by the time <laughs> you're aware of it, you know, with that great step. She doesn't go over you, she goes around you and you don't even know it. So, I'm really looking forward to that sort of matchup. Of course, the forwards have, as we've uh, just spoken of, but uh, here's a tip, guys. I think Jamie Chapman get the ball two passes out to her on the left creates a nice channel. They've scored a lot of tries there and I think um, she's my anytime try scorer for sure.
2: I've got to ask you about Sheridan Gallagher, uh, Tasha. She's got the Illawarra connection down here. It was only 12 months ago she was captain of the Young Matildas team for the FIFA Under-20 World Cup in Costa Rica. Here she is lining up on the wing in an NRLW Grand Final. I mean, it speaks volumes about the women, the product of the women's game, but also a remarkable uh, rise to, to swap codes and just be so successful in her first year.
0: Yeah, uh, Shez has made the transition so smoothly. Only played two games, I think, of Rugby League um, before coming into the NRLW, but what an athlete. Hey, and not bad with the older conversion kicks either. Doesn't mess around with it, doesn't take time, just slots it through the sticks. Really impressive with her game.
2: It's going to be, um, that'll be important too in a, in a big um, grand final. So you've got the Titans. Who uh, who are you taking for uh, best player?
0: Wow, okay. I hope nobody's sort of listening to who I tip because all week I've been bouncing back and forth between the Knights <laughs> and the Titans. So earlier it was Caitlin Johnson because I thought the uh, Knights were going to win. But um, I'm going to go Barney Pelliti for the Titans.
3: I'm with you, Tasha. I'm exactly the same. I think Titans in a close one and Varney Paliti, player of the match.
2: It's gonna be exciting. Yeah, and it what
0: about be... Riley Georgenson? Can we I want I want the viewers to watch Riley Georgenson as well. She's only only young, but she's a wild card as well.
3: Mixes it up too, gets in there. I love last week in the face of taran uh, Taryn Aiken, one of the superstars of the game, and there was a little bit of, a little bit of a scuffle when she gave as good as she got. I loved it.
0: Exactly right. No respect. No, nothing. It doesn't matter. This is a game. You're on the opposition. My coach said to get in your head, and I got in your head.
2: Well done. And, Tasha, um, the Roosters had sort of mentioned about changing the format to have the double chance in finals in future. I mean, obviously, with the, the expected expansion of the game, do you think that's an inevitable step?
0: Well, if I was the Roosters, I'd be I'd be um, plugging to that as well. They, they got bundled out last year unexpectedly unexpectedly as they did this year so yeah it it, um the double chances is is, I think it's a fairer um rule to bring in because of all the work you've done during the season you've been the form team and then you just you know you only get one bite of cherry so yeah if we can expand the competition then yeah that opens up that door
2: it should be a cracking grand final. 3.55 tomorrow afternoon out there at a core stadium. It'll only be about, what, 34 degrees or something? Yeah. So it'll be nice and hot, yeah. but it should be a sensational clash.
0: It sure will, guys. And also, just on the men, I'm going an upset. I'm going Brisbane to win as well.
2: We're in sync. Going with you. We're with in the sync. Bronco. Absolutely. Oh, you too, righto. All right, I appreciate your time, Tasha. <laughs> Enjoy your grand final weekend.
0: To... okay oh, yeah, you you guys too.
2: Thanks so much. Fantastic. Thanks, Tasha. That's 3.55 tomorrow afternoon, the NRLW Grand Final, nights against the Titans. We're going to head to the news when we come back. We're switching from NRL to NBL.
1: There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Hey.
2: You're back Saturdays in the gong It might be the grand finale for NRL But it's just tipping off for the National Basketball League The Illawarra Hawks take on the Sydney Kings Tonight, 8 o'clock at Wynn Entertainment Centre And as Saturdays in the gong We're going behind enemy lines right now Because we've got Sydney Kings owner Paul Smith on the line Good morning Paul
5: Good morning, Jano.
2: It's going to be good. You kick me out of the water tomorrow this morning. It's high tide and I can't paddle until I finish this interview. <laughs> we thought we'd have you out on the water, mate. It's a beautiful morning for it. It's a sunny morning. I'm, I'm getting sunburned
5: standing talking to you blokes, but uh, that's good. No, it's good to talk to you. It's, uh, I'm the forward advance party for the Sydney Kings today. I'm checking behind enemy lines, definitely.
2: How's the the feeling? Obviously, coming back, it's going for three in a row. But you've got a new look squad, a, a new coach. Um, you know, is there is there a different feel to it having had the success you've had?
5: Yeah, there is. You know, it's certainly not. Um, it's not Groundhog Day. It's a whole different deal with you know new coaches. You say and you Kim know, the NBA, and DJ Dujinovic as well. And then our three imports rolling out. So, yeah, it's a big change, but uh, I think change is a good thing. It keeps us fresh and keeps everyone anticipating what's coming next. But, yeah, it's going to be a big one tonight. There's no doubt about that. The Hawks are going to be a handful. They always are, but I think that they've, they've certainly up the, up the talent this year. has to. Paul, I
3: think it's interesting that uh, the Kings are coming in, obviously going for, for three straight, and we're about to watch uh, Penrith, obviously, the we Unreal try to do, uh, do that tomorrow. I, I just want to, as, as far as comparisons go, different sports and, and all the rest, but uh, do you feel the the challenges there and, I guess, the trajectory they've been on, do you find that similar to, to what the Kings are on, or do you think it's, you know, different sports and just completely different beasts altogether as far as the, the challenge of, of
5: putting three together? Yeah, it's, it's not like I've, yeah, um If you'd have said to me a few years ago we've been two in a row, I'd have thought it was crazy. The NBL is a really, really tough league to win a championship in. And, um, you know, we've been, we've been in three grand final series once. Uh, we've played in the semi-final series in the five years I've been involved. And, you know, it's just really hard. You know, he might like to say that if you, if you win the national championship, you know, really hard I mean, in any sport, in any genre. Good shit, but to do it back to back and feel hard, like, right now. And, and I think it's going to be hard for to advance tonight. Exactly that. that is. And, oh, yeah.
2: That's just got a bit of a bad you, line there. Let, if you let it.
5: Oh.
2: Sorry, Did mate, it? I just you got, got yeah, yeah. Now we've got you. We've got you back there. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry to if, sorry, if I was yeah. cutting you off there,
3: Paul. We've just dropped in and out, mate. But I, uh, oh, oh, I was interesting too. I'm sure you'd have backed if if um, Chase Buford had, had stuck around, and I'm sure you'd have backed him to to be able to pull off the three p. But I mean, when you do go in a in a in a different direction, I mean, is it is a new coach and the things we spoke about a, a new approach? And, and, and as we're hearing too, it'll probably be similar in a lot of ways. And obviously, Mahmood has a, a similar pedigree to to Chase Buford, but. In the way it's panned out, is, is the new and the fresh approach something that you know can be and that you can use to your advantage when, as you said, it's so hard to stay at the top for a, for a long time in this league?
5: We think yeah, it is, we think the change to be a good one. Uh, we've got to just since we what they were, we, we could turn to bring him back, and that's under, but that's all about moving on. And we think that my mood. Got the uh, got the chops to sort of take us to that next level. Uh, whether that's a championship level, I'm not sure. But certainly, from our perspective, we feel that we're you know we've retooled the team, we've re- retooled the approach appropriately to give it a chance. But this season, the NBL is going to be a really tough season this year. I think the talent quotient across the boards risen, and you know we're going to be we're, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a tough season this one. But we we're ready. We we feel really good about it. And, it's obviously, the, the turnout from fans is fantastic. I believe tonight's nice to sell out. And, of course, we're looking forward to our Christmas day game, the Christmas night game against the Hawks this year. is going to be something else
3: as well. As we all are, I guess you're replacing one MVP with another with Jalen Abbs returning, but Dave Cooks, he's, he's a unicorn, I've always called him, for the the what he what he brings across the board. Uh, you know, you can't really replicate that in any way. When it's come to him moving on to, you know, to, to great things, obviously, but w- when you look at... I guess, filling the void he leaves, is it one of those things where, you know, you have to find multiple pieces to do that, given he he's just, like I said, such a, such a versatile, multi-tooled player
5: that you're looking to replace? Yeah, he certainly is a unicorn, particularly in the NBL, the way he works both ends of the floor, and the way, you know, he's a floor general as well when you need it. Um, but I think when you lose a player like one pretty quick, you don't, you don't dwell on it, you don't try to replace them. And, of course, that that requires a risk So it's not like we're sort of wondering where Zay is. We're not sort of looking at the local locker and going to be coming back. It's not all at all. It's really about a who's scenario. Uh, Look, I think, well, I do as a basketballer. He's a a person and, 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 and
3: I've got to ask you as well, Paul. I know you're coming up. Like you said, the Hawks are going to produce something else. Now, I know it's um, obviously a rival camp and the arch-rival camp, but... I mean, Jacob and and the Hawks last year probably won a lot of praise for, you know, what they were able to produce under men. There was that absolute epic they had uh, against you guys up there at the Kingdom uh, last year as well. But what have you made as as you're coming up against them to to tip off the season? What have you made of what the Hawks have done, the recruitment, and I guess, you know, what type of uh, prospect they're going to be in what you've said, obviously, is a very, very... probably going to be a much tougher uh, across-the-board league this year. Yeah, well, hats
5: off to Jacob. The host I'd
2: see. No, I think we've I think we've half lost no. you there again, Paul. Sorry, mate. Did you
5: you uh, got you got me back there?
2: you right? Yeah, that's better, mate. Yep. Uh, oh
5: yeah, sorry. Um yeah, I Yeah, just saying that look, how helped the Jacob and the and the, and the wife that that last season that would have broken anyone's heart, but the resilience they showed was incredible and and I think that sets them up for success this year. And certainly, you uh, know, some injury, better runs with injury is going to be a positive for them. But you know, I think it's really just a makes really strengthens them and makes them resilient. And that's what we're we're, we're certainly looking for tonight. Is going to be something that's going to come out, you know, ready to go. And uh, and I think they're going to be. I think they're going to go go well this year. There's certainly there's only one way up. They certainly had a rough year last year, but there's only one way one way up, and that's north. So I think that's that's going to reflect itself in the results. And Honestly, the Illawarra fans should get around these guys. They really deserve it.
2: And where are you off to for the, the paddle, Paul, the weekly ritual?
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get out with my brother. Uh, we normally go out at 8am here at
1: Minamurra, but we're,
5: we're heading around to that. We, it's a high tide, right? It's a high tide this morning. We head around to the, uh, what we call the, the, the wall, which is uh, where the, uh, the new bypass cuts across the back of Minamurra there at, Ki- at Kiama. So it's about a, it's about a 6 k's out, 6 k's back. Good effort it takes the sting out of me, but I'll be I'll get the energy back for tonight. I'll be ready to roll.
3: No doubt, it will be no doubt doing so in the King Gong hat. I can imagine, or at least that's what will be donned later <laughs> on. And I hope we see a good shirt, Paul. You've, you've always you always bring it in that regard. You're a bit like the Kings, you're just a, a consistent performer in the shirt stakes. Have you got one of them lined up? You got something <laughs> new for us there? i
5: have been out an oldie and a goalie, I'm dusting off the championship shirt. No, I just want to course. annoy the local here. I <laughs> want to give it to. I want to give it to the scumbags.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you beauty. Well, we we can't wait to see you uh, down there tonight. Win Entertainment Center, eight o'clock. The Hawks and the Kings. It just doesn't get any better to tip off the season. And if, anyone, if talk- anyone
5: wants to come over. And, if anyone wants to come over and try on my championship rings, I'll have them with me, so you can have a look at them. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Appreciate your time, mate, and also the first home game next Sunday, Sunday the 8th of October, the Kings up against Adelaide for our 1170 listeners. Appreciate your time, mate. All the best for the season All and right. look forward to having you back on the show during the year.
5: Thank you. No, thanks, babe. See you.
2: Bye. Bye. Sydney Kings owner Paul Smith. We're going to head to a break Saturdays in the gong.
1: There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track.
2: Saturday's In The Gong Live from Wollongong Golf Club. Tim Barrow, Mitch Jennings. Let's talk a bit more Illawarra Hawks, Mitch Jennings. Uh, The season from hell last year. Three wins, more injuries. Nothing, just nothing went right for them throughout the campaign. And I just have a sniff that they're ready to launch straight off the bat tonight.
3: Yeah, they are. It's interesting that, they're, that the position they're coming into because I guess through the, the rebranding and the obviously the change in ownership and everything else, they, Brian Gordon, they were written off in that first year and, and overachieved probably as far as they got. Then in that second Gorgian year, they were, you know, for the first time I can ever recall in sort of, um, you know, pre-season markets, a lot of people were tipping the Hawks to be, you know, title if not win the title, be in that series. So mm. they sort of went out in straight sets. And then obviously last year, a franchise low... Uh, campaign. So this year you're coming in there they're back in that traditional hawk spot of smokies. We don't know what we're going to produce from them. So I'm very interested to see what they'll do. Really encouraging signs in in the pre-season. I really like as far as the roster goes. We've seen traditionally over the years with hawk sides they've they've unearthed some great imports at different times through through good scouting and everything else. Unfortunately sometimes getting uh then getting lured away by uh the coin elsewhere, but we've had good imports and you'll have good young young players coming through and there there hasn't really been that conduit in the middle part of the roster. I think that's something they've addressed this year. You've got a guy like a Sam Froling now heading into his fifth or sixth season. Dan Greeter, hopefully healthy, you know, has played even more. A guy, you attract a guy like Mason Peatling, an experienced, you know, been in a championship-winning franchise. Mm. Toddy Blanchfield's coming back, probably with a very clear, uh, you know, idea of what his role will be as a sort of experienced veteran. He's going to come on and take games away from teams in in those flashes that he that he can produce so what excites me when I look at the way the rosters constructed they're going to have you know, with Gary Clark, he was a bit hit and miss through the preseason, but he's class. He's going to be very good. Justin Robinson, you know, Tyler Harvey said to me this week, I'll go on record. He's the best point guard in this league. We only had him for one game last year, which was unfortunate. So, with that import trio with Tyler Harvey there, they're going to be in that top handful of import trios. Yeah. They've got some good young guys coming through. They've got a next star in AJ Johnson. and Albrick has just been the surprise packet in the preseason blitz. He's put himself on that radar of NBA scouts with his performances there. But. As far as consistency in what is such a tough league where you need to be consistent and it needs to be someone different on a lot of different nights, that's what gives me confidence that the Hawks can go well this year. It's the, it's the top-to-bottom depth and that filled-out middle part of the roster. It's probably what's different, to, even through the, the Gorgian Tenure, I think that's what's different and sets this roster apart uh, under Jacob Comus for his uh,
2: for his sophomore year. You, you wrote a feature in the Illawarra Mercury today about AJ Johnson looking like Batman, no less, with his face guard on. Uh, it's been a pretty quick hardening of his career. Copping that stray elbow A broken nose He said that he hadn't broken anything in his body But for a young guy who has those NBA ambitions It's a bit of a baptism by fire And now he comes into an NBL season Ready to, to prove himself Yeah, he said that He obviously He didn't come into the league hoping to break his nose But
3: um, it, in a roundabout way It is what he's come to this league for It's Especially, obviously, next stars do that And they, they avoid the college path And look to take that quicker path to the NBA But in AJ's particular case All the scouting reports on him, and it should be said, he, in coming to the Hawks, is actually sitting higher in the mock drafts than LaMelo Ball was at the corresponding time of his career when he arrived. So that's how highly touted A.J. Johnson is. But the knock on him or the the scouting reports all say skinny, needs to fill out, undersized, as far as he's a handy six foot six or whatever he stands at, but really, really skinny, needs to fill out. That type of stuff is kind of the asterisk against his name in those stakes. So the ability, like he said, to come out in, you know, most physical league in the world just about to, to show his wares there uh, it's going to be a big you know a big boost to his prospects if he can handle that you speak to people in Hawks camp and you learn a lot about a guy when that happens so early in the piece and about whether they become gun and everything else hasn't happened AJ he's still been they could barely keep him off the court when he was Trying to get back on it through that, uh, he had the mask on. He got rid of that for that last game against Cairns. No, no coincidence that he probably produced his best performance of the blitz without the mask. That was ahead of what the doctors would have liked. But uh, he's, yeah, it hasn't it hasn't dented his confidence a great deal. You, you've got to measure some expectations. I spoke to one of our one of our hosts of this uh, of this great show, Matt Campbell, this week and said, look, you've got to remember, this is a kid. He's 18. He's coming into a man's league, and now he's had about a month of his on-court preparation taken off him because of that injury. So I don't think we should expect too much from him. Too early, but uh, certainly one to watch throughout the year. And I think the club, the Hawks, have got a good handle on how to handle next stars imports because we've had next stars have been pretty common in the NBL now. They've been around for a long time, but none have come with the the hype and all the ad added. Attention and pressure that Lamelo Ball brought. We'll yeah, never see a next course. star that's as touted as highly as he was, we just won't see it unless, yeah. short of maybe Bronny James if he had come, but <laughs> they, they learned a lot about how to manage a next star from a club point of view and that obviously preceded Jacob's Ooh. time, but yep. Matty Campbell had a talk about it, I think they have a pretty good idea of how to bring a next star along, how to manage him to get the both, best for both parties and he's going to be one to watch but uh, yeah, looking forward to him top to bottom. I am going to tip him tonight against the Kings. I think they'll get, it, they'll get it done in the tip-off game.
2: Yeah, I hope they launch in style. Melbourne United, 82, beat the Phoenix, 67. How's the Adelaide, 36? Has scored the first 15 points and lost 86-71 to it's Brisbane. So Adelaide. Adelaide. Perth, 101, <laughs> defeated Tasmania, 95. We're going to head to a break. Plenty more to come. Saturdays in the goal.
1: There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track.
2: Mitch Jennings, who are you more excited by in the grand final entertainment wars, the ageing KISS in the AFL this afternoon up against the Tina Turner Tribute Show tomorrow?
3: Mate, ordinarily, I'd be absolutely all over KISS no matter what. I love KISS. I'm out of the Steve Mascord school of loving KISS. So I'd ordinarily say that, but I just think in the circumstances we lost Tina this year, the Tribute Show, I think I'm going to be slightly more excited about... uh, about the Tina Turner Tribute Show. I hope it's better than the one I did when they brought Slash out a couple of years back and we got a section of the a section of the uh, Sweet Child of Mine solo and then a thing and then it was done. So yeah. I think they've done better in recent years. I'd say cold chisel every year, Baz, and I'd be perfectly happy. But in answer to your question, in unique circumstances, I'm all about the Tina Turner Tribute Show.
2: Yeah, it should be fantastic. I hope they just nail it to, uh, you know, a deserved fitting farewell for, for Tina in the NRL Stakes. Second hour coming up in Saturdays in the Gong. We're going to be talking rugby union, racing, and plenty more. If you're on 1170, you'll have the Mowers Club, but you can come with us on the app or the website where Saturdays in the Gong.
1: There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SCN track.
2: Yeah, Saturdays in the Gong. A change of pace here this morning amid all the excitement of AFL and NRL grand final week. We thought we'd just take in the slow-moving train wreck that is the Rugby World Cup for the Wallabies. They play, well, pretty much for nothing on Monday morning against Portugal. We've got Toby Dawson with us here on the desk, our rugby correspondent. Good morning to you, mate. Yeah,
6: good morning, boys. And uh, I'd like to apologise firstly to all the uh, listeners out there who I've given some absolutely wild tips to, and uh, you've all (laughs) made some donations to your local... uh, Punting. Oh, the
3: wallabies, according to him, the wallabies were free money last week against Wales. Free money. Mate,
6: I there even got go. a call. Uh, Steve Hart up in Palm Beach, Queensland, been tuning in, going like, "Mate, what have you done to you me? Got, you
3: got I've no moulded you every week." Speaking of slow-moving train wrecks, right. I think that's the Toby
2: Dawson tipping train. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming awful. Before we get on to the drama, then, can you give us beating Portugal as a moral?
6: Yes, I can. All right. Are you sure? We will. Well, actually, all bets are off this World Cup, all right? I think yeah. we saw last week, you know. We, um, let's leave the first try in the first three minutes to a side. That was a great play off the, uh, off the line out. But then for 30 minutes, the Wallabies played some good football. Mm. There was a good contest there. Mm. The problem was 10 minutes, I mean, 10 points to six at the 32nd minute. Penalty right in front of the sticks. You take that kick, you are 10-9 and you're within you know, spitting distance of taking the lead. Yep. The momentum's in your favour. You get the ball back, you go again, you might score a try. You might get another penalty. Either way, you've got that momentum. You're in front going into half time. This is where the lack of experience on the field came uh, into play. We've got the momentum. We'll go for that kick for touch, uh, which if you look at it from a risk, risk assessment level, the, the risk is high. You know, you've got to con- compete the line-out. You've got to have the line-out throw straight. You've got to have them all over the line. You've got to make sure there's a lot of things that have to go to get those points. So we go for the line. <clears throat> we uh, go for a wonderful line-out move where all but Dave Parecki, the hooker, fell onto the ground and tripped over each other, <laughs> um, which summed up the rest of the night. Wales mm-hmm. kicked the ball down. They just belted the skin off it to get it out, get it out of their 22. They ended up with the ball rolling onto the touchline within our 22. So they get the 50-22. They get the throwback. Momentum has completely swung. It has completely rattled the cages mentally of the Wallabies, I believe. And that is where the train wreck went from being a slow-moving one to a fast... (laughs) It was the Japanese bullet train. Yeah, I was going to say. Demolition of the Wallabies. Is
3: Eddie on the Japanese bullet train? Is that where he's headed? (laughs) Apparently he's the conductor if you you listen to Tom Decent, right? I think he's on the Japanese bullet train.
2: Well, that highlight's only best served with the Benny Hill theme song in the uh, (laughs) the, the background. Let's get to Eddie. I mean, my take... This whole campaign was that his selections were built around the next World Cup. And we've discussed this before, but I just felt like, okay, he's going to have a swing and, of course, he's going to say the right things about this World Cup because you can't write him off. You can't be a coach who says, look, we're building for the long term. So things have fallen apart. It hasn't gone well. But the whole thing still can stand up at the fact that, look, we're building a squad for four years' time. That's the whole point of Eddie Jones' contract for going towards another World Cup. But as it is, and Tom Decent from the Sydney Morning Herald wrote the story about the meeting that he had, the Zoom meeting with Japanese rugby and potentially getting out after this World Cup. So this undermines the whole premise that Eddie Jones now has basically said it's all too hard and his denials weren't particularly strong. I mean, you know, he was asked about it in press conferences but it wasn't all that emphatic about that it actually happened and Tom Decent, who, you know... As a reporter, he's backed himself up and said it's a hundred percent correct. So, what do Australian rugby do next? Because right now they don't seem to be doing much of anything.
6: Well, apart from throwing some more cash at uh, Crichton to come across and
2: cross codes. <laughs> yes, <yeah.
6: clears throat> we'll get to that in a sec. But I think you're completely right there, Baz. We um, when Eddie Jones came back to run a headline, you know, he did that launch at um, his old his old school, you know, in the eastern suburbs, talking about that connection to grassroots. Everything that happened that was discussed when Eddie came in has happened. You know, he's made big, bold changes. He's planning for that 2027 World Cup. Look, the results probably were highly likely that we were going to lose to Fiji, that we were going to lose to Wales when you, you know, look at it. Um, Because we were building for that next World Cup on home soil, just as the French did. The French did this in 2019 at Japan. Eyes on this year's World Cup. We want to be red hot. Let's put in the young spuds, give them that World Cup experience, so that when we're at home soil, we'll be really competitive. Mm. And they are. So it's working. I think the demolition against Wales um, is what's probably the most concerning because it shows the lack of experience. And I think if you had your Michael Hoopers and Quade Coopers in that squad, that older head that would have taken the points, you know, that older couple of heads that calm the boys when things get a bit tough and show them the way through, I think that the rugby community would have been somewhat appeased. I also think the results would have been a bit different. We saw the same thing against Fiji. Just bad decision-making, bad execution because of the inexperience of the side. It's a young side. So a couple of older heads, I think, might have just been the missing ingredients in good old Eddie in Eddie's chance. Now, with the Japanese Rugby World Cup, Tom um, Japanese rugby side, Tom Deason has come out. I 100% back up my story as a valid source. It is true. It did happen. I... <clears throat> You know, you can't dispute that Eddie's spoken with Japanese rugby, you know, given that... Well, he hasn't. Not
3: emphatically. All he said is, I'll be here now. He hasn't disputed that fact either. That's what's interesting about it, because we know you talked about he wasn't all that... Bull- if there's anyone that can be bullish in a press conference, it's Eddie Jones. If that story was what he claims it is, do you think it's just a... Do you think he's just doing a little flat bat, no, nah, it's not happening, or is he going on the offensive? Mm. That's the big difference. That's why, to me, that's why you know they smoke and I think it's played a little bit into why... He's saying, you know, I'll be this guy, I'll be this, because we all know he's got a soft landing space if Australia were to, to turf him and say, oh, and, and throw the whole five-year plan out the window. He's got a he's got a soft place to land. His broader resume speaks for itself. I don't think he's I don't think he's going to be lost in the wilderness without no. this sort of without this sort of job. So I think that's what sort of comes into it. Well,
6: but his results for the Wallabies were, weren't going well. A R U turf him. He picks up an assistant job with South Africa and wins the World Cup. Like he feel, he falls on his feet, young Eddie. But um. I think we really need to be careful around turfing him, around, you know, there's a lot of chat. Do we need to turf the board, turf McLennan, turf Jones? I 100% think no, because if we turf them, what we're creating are excuses and scapegoats for the next regime to come in and go, oh, well, we're only here because of Hamish and Eddie and, oh, you know, it was the decisions before. That's not what we need. We need decisive action to start moving the game forward from this spot. And I think that McLennan and Eddie and Phil War have the vision, they know where it needs to go, they need to execute those. So let's leave them in those seats, let them be uncomfortable, have expectations on them so they're accountable and drive forward that action. You know, Phil Wall came in talking about we need to reconnect with the grassroots. Um, now he's come out talking about building a brand-new Tier 3 comp. We've seen that with the ARC. The ARC was proposed by Australian Rugby. It's going to cost us a loss of $8 million in the first year, but we're prepared to do that because it's such an important thing. At the end of the first year, they only lost $5 million. So they essentially made $3 million off it and then tore it up because we lost $5 million. Like, the just short-sightedness of decision-making in Australian rugby has hurt the game for the last 20 years. So let's leave people in there to follow that vision, work towards it, put the structures in place, make sure that we progress the game at the grassroots and at the top level, and the bit in the middle needs a lot of tweaking as well when we're looking at super rugby and Tier 3 comps.
3: Well, it's interesting, I look at it, and Ian Payton from the from the Herald... Had a story. I think it was uh, yesterday or the day before, and he was sort of mentioning that um, that that game all the way back in 2015 when the Wallabies got home against Scotland in the quarterfinals when they got you know Scott were dotted on that, on a bad call and that snuck them through. And uh, well, I think that's part of part of what rugby's problem is being in a in a four year World Cup cycle. There's never like if you're if you're going awful for three, four years in the NRL, someone's sacking you, someone's on your case, there's this week-to-week accountability, season-to-season accountability. What rugby's in a position of is that they can just buy time. Every, they're in four-year cycles. It's always, I'll wait for the next World Cup. And if you can scrape through, win a game, get to the to a quarterfinal, get to a semi final, it, it kind of gives you breathing space for a long time and there's no actual real building that goes on. But when you go back to... We spoke about this slightly off-air... Phil War coming in as a CEO. Now, I'm going to say from an absolute jump, love Phil Waugh, loved him as a player, stand-up bloke, terrific. I think it's great to have someone that involved at that level. But as a CEO, would rugby be better served going outside the Wallabies, old boys, going outside the rugby bubble, which, as we know, is quite limited and quite difficult to pierce? Should they be going out of the box and looking for a different type of administrator to come in and bring fresh eyes, or bring something else? i go back to when... They ended up with Todd Greenberg, but when um, Dave Smith, the reign ended there as CEO, before Todd Greenberg came in, the ARLC was actually going, looking at Gilliland McLaughlin quite hard and was sort of basically going to let him write his own check if he could come and do it. It had nothing to do with Gilliland McLaughlin being a, a rugby league man and, and having all this knowledge of rugby league. And It was more about his administrator, the way he'd approach it. And we've seen you know, his regime at AFL has become a powerhouse. Does rugby need to look... And it's not a knock on Phil War. I love Phil War, And he's only just come into the role, so you can't really be smashing him over, over this current predicament. It's not like he's overseeing this disaster that we're seeing. But would they be better served, thinking outside the box as far as administrators and who can steer this direction? Because they need a
6: reset. Completely agree. We do. And I think Phil War may or may not be able to deliver on that reset. Also have a massive crush on Phil Ward, you know? Don't he, we all? He's the best looking ugly bloke I've ever come across and Jeezy could play footy. The worst thing for Phil War in his career was that he was playing at the time George Smith was. That's the only flaw Absolutely. you've got, right? Um, I think the thinking needs to change and that's the reset piece. It needs to change outside of what has become the traditional heartland because it wasn't. I remember we've got Wynn Stadium over the back shoulder here. I remember the 1991 Wallabies coming down here all the time. They'd train at Wynn Stadium or they'd train over at the uni. We were kids. We were getting posters signed by every single one of them. You know, I had a broken leg in 1994. I got hit by a car. Fun little fact for all of you sports fans out there.
3: <laughs> that was the end. That was the end of the career. I there you could, go, have been, yeah. could have been a Wallabies. I could have <laughs> been mean, in could France. Have been yeah. Could have been Phil War. Could have been Phil War.
6: But um, I had, you know, I didn't throw that cast out after it got cut off because all of the wallabies had signed it. I think mum hit me up a couple of years ago to say, do you reckon it's time we can say bye to your plaster cast? It's a bit on the nose. But you know, that's the level of fandom that we had for the wallabies. I remember the old I wanna wanna be a walla wallaby. You had that on every single poster. You couldn't see any paint in any of our bedrooms because it was Wallabies. The wheat posters. picks.
3: Remember the wheat picks? How many? of you do. They were all over it. I'm I agree I've still got i I've still
2: got an autographed um, footy from Rod McQueen from yeah. way back in I'm a died in the Wool League, but I've still got that. Well, And union types will hate me comparing it to rugby league, but I wanted to use the two examples of... One, this was the case for Brad Fittler with New South Wales, that he took the game in New South Wales back to the people. Did the Hogs for homeless rides took uh, New South Wales out of their bubble and made them connect with the community again, which results is one thing, and it's been up and down. You can have the case for or against Brad Fittler, but in terms of what he actually did for the community and for the state, he really reconnected with New South Wales again as well. The other one I wanted to bring up is Phil Gould with what you know, he started with Penrith and he's not alone there's plenty of people around him out there and good administrators out at Penrith but he helped bring in a structure that's brought the success for Penrith and he's trying to do that for the Bulldogs, he also helped a bit with the Warriors so when you translate that to rugby you've sort of got the two spinning plates, you've got the four year cycle of a Rugby World Cup that you've got to get the elite going and have a good group there but you've also got the other plate that you probably need like a 10, 15 year structural build so that all the layers Underneath that can come up underneath, so that you've got a sustainable model. 100%. You've hit the
6: nail on the head. It, it is the structure, it is the system, and it is the approach to that structure and system that I think is on life support. <laughs> you know, it's in the ICU. We need to get it out of the ICU, and it is about getting it out of the traditional heartlands, as it's become known. You know, I've had the good fortune to have played in the GPS system. You know, close associations. My brothers played at Randwick. You know, so I understand how the Shield. Good friends have played. Top level at, in that shoot shield was involved with the Illawarra Warriors when that went to expand and bring the Warriors side into that shoot shield competition. I've been involved in the grassroots here and the disconnect across those. The Illa Warriors got booted out of the shoot shield within the first little period because the Sydney sides didn't like travelling down to down to the Illawarra. Yeah. The Illawarra Warriors won won some games, which was you know unexpected, but they said that the quality's not there. But you're not going to get the quality in year one. You're not going to see the change in year one. You need to drive. Long-term structural systemic change in how rugby is uh, working outside of the bubbles. You go back to um, pre-1995. Rugby only became professional in 1995. Before that, there was a run from playing rugby. I'm going to use Kaiaoma as you know. Shout out to Avcon as well. The boys from Kaiaoma, but Kaiaoma rugby bred quite a few. You know Brian Weir. He's he's out of out of Kuyama. Played for Kiama, went to the rep side, played country championships, gets picked up and dropped into the Wallabies program. So these pipelines, they still exist. They've just been underserviced by Australian rugby. They've been underloved. And this is no slight on the guys at country rugby or even the local uh, Illawarra district administration, Tom Ellicott and the gang. They're, They're doing everything they can, but they're not getting supported. There's little to no interest in the product. There's no resource flowing to them because there's little to no interest in the product. So they're doing the best they can. And again, no criticism, Tom and the gang. The best the district can do is to manage a draw and ensure that the clubs are playing in the rules. There is nothing to grow the game. There is nothing to promote the culture. And I've said it before. I think rugby's got one of the best cultural environments out of any sporting code going around.
3: Agreed. As a former first fifteen captain of Hawkesbury Agricultural College, <laughs> I can tell you for a fact it is. You can have a lot of fun. It's a great sporting environment. You're 100 percent right.
6: Yeah. You know, and there's something for everyone to play. Whether you, you know, they've got the girls comp. When the Australians women's won the sevens at the Olympics, there's another great opportunity for Australian rugby to jack jump on that and jackpot the game and look look how great we are. Come and play, come and play sevens women's at Vikings Rugby Club because you could be an Olympian did not hear that one place other than local clubs trying to get that message out with no support. You know, there's um, opportunities for people of all different shapes, sizes and you can't see me on the radio but I'm, I'm not the most tall person nor am I the most slender or athletic looking <laughs> but bloody set hell... Sets you
3: apart from the rest of the team, doesn't it, Baz? <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the athletes. But geez, it means here.
6: I'm a good front rower. I can, you know, I can hang down a scrum, you know. Um, but there's also the fast... Good looking guys that have lots of lovely mirrors and hairstyles. Jump out on the wing. You don't need to get tackled if you're quick enough.
3: No, no. never. i have have seen them get tackled. But you, you're 100% right about the, the grassroots. And that's what I hear. That's what we've heard so much in the wash up to this. We hear grassroots and everything else. But I still go back to the fact that you've got to fix the wallabies and you've got to fix the wallabies quick. Because we can't hang around and have. We can't hang around. Rugby can't survive for 20 years waiting for grassroots. They've got to fix the wallabies because that's where it all starts from. If the wallabies are going. Yeah. Awful, rugby suffering, and if you, they're in the desperate stakes of having to get, you know, a Joseph Suwali and now, a, now an Angus Crichton. That's what that's what they're yeah, at at the moment. It's a very simple thing to say. Oh, imagine what that money could do for the grassroots. I mean, that's what people say all the time. They say it in rugby league as well. Imagine what that money would do for the grassroots. But you've, you've got to. I know you can't. You haven't got the cattle. You can't just fix it overnight. But you've got to make fixing the wallabies and getting them back firing a top priority. because Everything flows from that, from one
6: I don't know about that. Rugby is too big internationally for the Wallabies to disappear. We, I think we've got to be prepared to not have results because the Egyptians didn't bring the uh, build the pyramids from the point down, right? You've got to have that really strong foundation. Crichton played rugby. He's a Scots boy. He's, you know, we, we're brothers in arms. Never met the bloke, but, you know, <laughs> I claim that I taught him everything he knows. Yeah. We went to the same school. Um Swali was a King's boy. You know, they're both within the system. The fact that they've gone and played and succeeded in rugby league is, you know, hats off to them, well done, but... Their roots are there. If the product was strong enough, if they would have gone to the Wallabies straight up. But we're making bad decision making at that scouting level, which creates that, which opens the door for rugby league. I think what we're also missing is having a swelling of support, and that groundswell of support was there. It's still there. People just they're disengaging because they feel they're not being heard, they're not being listened to, they're not being supported to actually put their heart and soul like the massive country rugby network. Every country town has got 17 pubs and a rugby team, right? And that's where people come together all through winter to connect. Let's get those guys awake and excited. And do you know what? I guarantee if we go back to the old Riverina, Central West, Illawarra, Rugby Champs Way, I guarantee you that the results will be cussed in the first while. Because these guys haven't been used to or exposed to playing at that level with that expectation. But you start demonstrating that pipeline to a little kid from Vikings Junior Rugby Union that you might be able to be selected from the country champs if you stick around for long enough. Put some money into that Tier 3 representative program because it existed. So let's not rebuild. Let's restart. Reset. Well, there Reset. we go. Reset. That,
2: that's the blueprint to fix Australian rugby. So if, if Rugby Australia haven't listened to the last 20 minutes, get on the SEN podcast because we've got we've got the answers not only to restructure rugby as it is, but also to win a World Cup in four years' time, even if Eddie Jones doesn't well, have And this answers. is the
6: thing, Rugby Australia, we're suggesting you all keep your jobs. So maybe listen to the SEN track, <laughs> Saturday's in the gong, Mate, keep your jobs, do some work. And if we get beaten by Japan right. at the next World Cup... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not tipping either way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We've got to head to a break. We're going to come back and talk about the AFL Grand Final because we're going to let our producer, Dave, off the leash about the mighty flagpies trying to beat the Lions this afternoon.
1: There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturday's in the Gong on SEN Track. Lots of room out here for Josh Dacos. Brilliantly worked. If this is a mark, that's the game. 12
6: seconds left. Listen to this noise. Collingwood are into the grand final.
2: That was the thrilling moment where Collingwood held off GWS in an epic preliminary final with 90-odd thousand feral Collingwood supporters going absolutely nuts to get back to a grand final. And speaking of a Flag fan himself, Dave Anderson, our producer, he's been talking up their chances all year and here you are on the big stage, Dave. How's the nerves?
4: Oh, the nerves are good. I feel a little bit better after I wasn't introduced as a feral because I thought that's where that was shaping. I would. Nerves are right. Thank you, mate. I appreciate that. No, nerves are all right. I've um I've had a lot of people uh obviously reaching out through the week just wanting to sink the boots in nice and early. Um, are you? I just wanted to ask you really quickly, Baz. Are you a big fan of the Sopranos and those sort of like Italian mob shows and things like that?
3: I am. You are? I can tell you that, absolutely. A yeah. oh, huge, huge Sopranos man. Well,
4: absolutely. I reckon, I reckon Tim Barrow is too, because he sent me the journalistic equivalent of a horse head in the bed by just sending me through <laughs> articles from the 2018 Grand Final throughout the week as well, unprompted. So.
2: Well, it's my only connection to this season, because the Eagles have been absolutely legless this year, but the reference to that column was a column I wrote before the Grand Final in 18 where... Uh, My wife turned to me after Collingwood won their preliminary final and said, gee, I hate Collingwood. And that was the (laughs) whole premise to uh, the column. Obviously, we got you there. You've been haunted uh, by that probably... Ever since, but gee, this could be an absolute cracker of a grand final. I mean, you've got Steele Sidebottom at 32, Scott Pendlebury at 35. You know, players like Degoe and Maynard were part of that grand final. It's their real big opportunity today, isn't
4: it? It is, yeah, and I think that this is the best. I think this is an even better chance than against that Eagles team because I think, and and you kind of rightly pointed out in your article, which I did read, mate, uh, that uh, that the two teams that made it that year were probably the two that were unexpected. Everyone thought it was going to be Melbourne, Richmond, and it ended up being Collingwood, West Coast. So, I do think this one. There's been a bit of a I hate getting into the dramatics of things and things like that. I, I, I'm, I've been on board the flag pies all year, but there is a bit of destiny about it with this year. This year's pies, like McRae against his old team that he played with, and uh, yeah, I don't know. There's just a bit of a sense of destiny with this team, and, and I'm sure that's going to come back to bite me at around three thirty this afternoon. Destiny. That's never gone wrong for anybody. No, I know, I know. I I, I, I can hear Collingwood supporters all over the place just groaning when I say that. But it has felt like they have, since round one, they wanted to prove everyone wrong. And, you know, last year was a fluke and all that sort of stuff. They clearly saw all that and they've, um, you know, they've been pretty, pretty driven this year. I haven't seen a Collingwood team like this with this sort of like singular determination before, put it that way.
2: Frampton comes in at the expense of Lipinski in the back line. Mm -hmm. Uh, The lines of time there run really well, but obviously don't have the great record. I'm not totally sold that that becomes such a big issue on grand final day because they kind of accused the Eagles of the same thing with Mm. their structured football at the time. I just think it becomes a bit of a dogfight. And I mean, you know... To me, it's a game that's an, an even money bet, but I just feel like the big players for Collingwood will be standing up when they need to today.
4: I agree. I think that, um, you know, I think I do like that the Lions sort of got out in front of it early in the week and said, you know, it's just an oval. At the end of the day, we play on ovals every week. It's just another oval. And I mean, yeah, it's probably... I think the MCG account actually tweeted out that they were a little bit offended by that. But, um, I, you know, it is true. And I, to your point, though, I do think that the... Uh, the Collingwood big guns are, are primed. I think the, the second half of Nick Dacos was very encouraging last week. Just to see a, a player of that caliber sort of shake off the rust in real time in a prelim, no less, uh, primes him for a big, big grand final. And look, if he, if he gets going early, that leaves Jordan to go in nice and open. So I do think that one-two punch out of the midfield is going to have a big say in how the game uh, shakes out.
2: Well, good luck this afternoon, mate. I know there's a nervous wait for a few hours between now and then, but uh, we better get the uh, the news break in. Then we're going to go and find a winner on the track for this afternoon.
1: There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track.
2: We're back with Saturdays in the gong. There's some hope in my heart this afternoon. Mitch Jennings, the tab Epsom, the big one over a mile at Royal Randwick and it's such an open field. Kerry Parkers, uh, the Kembla Grange trainers, horse has been pretty well back though in the field, $6.50 as favourite at the moment. Come in. Barrier 10, I think it's going to be perfect because it'll just be able to sit just off the speed and get that nice run into the straight, but it's a, a wide open race. There's a lot of chances and, and and several chances who have drawn wide
3: as well. That's what makes it interesting, doesn't it? You think of like Golden Mile, Democracy Manifest, I think has to be after its run at Newcastle, will be in the mix as well, but yeah, it's open your heart. you got to think, is it its best chance to get that? It's been such an honest performer for so long. What do you think? What are you? are back at it, right, in Baz? Oh, it's coming in. It's coming into 650. So no, the Epsom <laughs> <Yeah, it laughs> is too cruel. Yeah, it is. It's
2: one of the hardest races of the year to find a winner.
6: It is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. There's going to be some really good runners up there today. I think Waller's, you know, in with a shot. Um, you know, he's been training really well. Um, so I, I, reckon today's your roughy day, though, with the Epsom, because it is such a cool, cruel long race. Um, and the, but the conditions are so, you know, looking so good. I think that you really. Probably going to be able to go wide. I think, um, yeah, Kovalika from Waller's looking pretty favourable. I reckon that'll give, uh, hope in your heart, quite a run. Um, but I'll be up there, boys. It's the Country Roasting Association Day. Oh, you're beauty. Yeah, in the Grand Ballroom. I'll be putting on the bowl of fruit and yeah. looking schmick, representing the Illawarra Turf Club with Steve Keane in the game. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a great day up there. Conditions are mint. Uh, we just want Kerry to get the win. Have you done the ballroom, Jenna? No. Oh no, I'm with the punters,
3: mate. I'm not like It'll I'm not like Lord Barrow. But
6: <laughs> I don't do any of that fancy
3: stuff, mate. I'm mate. amongst I'm amongst the yeah. punters, mate. I'm a man of the people.
2: Oh mate, it is one of the great experiences up there <laughs> in the ballroom. The the feed is as good as it gets. I, I really hope that Kerry Parker that it happens for him today. I mean it's such an extraordinary training effort to have one think it over, come back from that long term tendon injury as the Queen Elizabeth winner was on the cox plate path, uh, is heading to the King. Charles um, here before he decides what's next this year but you know to, to have the patience and the, ter- the determination to get think it over back on track the way they have and also now to have hope in your heart who's a group 2 winner and a genuine shot in one of the great group 1 miles uh, it's just a fantastic effort for a you know a, an Illawarra trainer to be up at that level. Uh, we've also got the Premier Stakes which is the sprint contest, a few Everest contenders hanging around that, and think about it, the Joe Pride-trained horse, one nine from ten in the career, three from three at the trip, and two from two at the track, comes back from two trials. You're not getting any value, about even money, but, gee, I think it's uh, a good horse who might just put the hand up today. Give another a chance to in that one? Yeah, it's consistent, but I just feel like the generation's changing, that... a lot of the the Lost and Runnings. We've seen the retirement of Nature Strip and Eduardo. uh, Lost and Running, who I've been following for a long time, is a great horse. But I just feel like the next generation of top sprinter is coming through in what will be a really open Everest because of the likes of Giga Kick won't be there.
6: Yeah, and I think, you know, when you're looking at the way that um, you know, Pete Vlandis has really grown these top five. You know, we've got the Gong coming up 25th of November. We've got the Everest I'm really loving the competition we are seeing through the spring racing uh, calendar here within New South Wales, Um, but I think you're right, we are seeing that evolution from the old runners um, into this new generation coming through and it's going to be a really exciting carnival.
3: I'm going to be at the Everest actually amongst the, you know, it'll be my first first Everest in the flesh, but I won't be in the ballroom, i can tell you that, I'll be out there, I'll be right up there. In the in the peanut gallery, You'll mate. You'll have That's your peels over here. your shoulders by yeah. race
6: seven. I've
2: <laughs> got no doubt. Singing Sweet Carolina at Sweet the, uh, the rail.
3: Yeah, absolutely. you got to tip elsewhere, Baz. Oh. Where are you going? Epsom's going to be damn near impossible, isn't it? It's a tough race, as you yeah. said. Stop. You've got these chances drawn right. You've got to look elsewhere to get the, the ball running My early. Mind.
6: You've heard me, you know, we've been talking a bit of rugby. Hope in your heart. It's just been absolutely killed. So I think the Wallabies have actually put the jinx on uh, Kerry
2: Parker this (laughs) summer. My my best today is in the last number 18 for the Hawks stable airman. It's around the $4.20 mark. There's a few scratchings that have come out there. Aside from that, I think it is a tricky day because there's a lot of good favourites. I mean, we talked about the Sprinters in the stayers in the Metrop. Just Fine, who a friend of mine has a, a share in. I mean this water house bot is a genuine Cups hope. Um, it's had two runs, this prep was a dominant winner in both uh, beating Benno by two lengths there, last start. Um, it's really exciting horse and I think it'll just go and stamp itself as a Cups horse today. I'm going earlier, I reckon I'm
3: going, the, I'm going back to the screeners, I'm going over the 1,000 in the third at Randwick. I like Volatile, the way it came back from the trial from last to win, that's where I'm going, I think. If you want this be smart money, getting about $4.80 around that mark, I think that's where I'm going to go to try to Get the ball rolling for me early. Right,
2: from the punting, Dave, have we got the bang the gong lined up? Well, we do. We do. Geno, I think it could be the best bang the gong in history. It's one of our own. He's a legend of Saturdays in the gong, and he's also one of the basketball greats, and he's proved that this week. Yeah, indeed. That is my bang the gong. Assistant coach will be quick to say. Sydney Monum, of course, pulling
3: the, the strings on this one. But the Illawarra Hawks, under 14 girls in Melbourne, claiming a national title. I think you've got to bang the gong on that. How good the next generation. Hopefully, they the first for a couple of titles for Illawarra Hawks this year, but that's my bang the gong. Well done,
2: Sue. Well done, girls. Absolutely. I mean, the that's a phenomenal effort given a lot of these Metro teams have, um, you know, high, high level training facilities, which we've talked about on this show, you know, that the Illawarra just doesn't have. So for the Illawarra to go and win a national title at that level, it's just a fantastic performance. So that's Geno's bang the gong. My bang the gong, I've got two. First, we talked about her before, the Newcastle winger, Sheridan Gallagher, to go from the young Matildas to the Newcastle Knights in an NRLW Grand Final in the space of the year is quite extraordinary. So I'm giving her a bang the gong. And I'm going to go back to the basketball theme. Jacob Jacobus, I'm going to give him a rap because coming in as a first-year coach last year, it was an absolute horrid season, everything that went with it. Um, you know, to, to have... Just the strength to be able to guide his way through that and now have a clean slate, a really, really good squad, and I hope they go out and prove a point there against the Kings tonight. Indeed. Sorry, it for the way in, Baz.
3: He's putting in a long shift because uh, as I was arriving pre-show, as I tend to do for all that you know, professional preparation that I do pre-show, he was uh, he was there before me heading towards the WEC. So that was at about... Oh, that was before 8 o'clock, so he's, uh, he's putting, putting in, in a 12-hour plus, punching a 12-hour plus ticket to get it done today. But, yeah, I agree. Banging the gong. Jacob, I reckon he's going to have more luck this year. He has to.
2: Good luck to the Hawks tonight. 8 o'clock at Win Entertainment Centre. The Hawks and the Kings. What a great way to start the NBL season. We're going to head to a break. When we come back, we're going to have Pete, the perfect panel puncher from Putney's Random Fact.
1: There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. You take the book.
2: of life. And among our favourite segments here on Saturdays in the gong is Pete, the perfect panel puncher from Putney's Random Facts. So this week, we don't have Matty Russell's set of six. We don't have Matt Campbell on the desk. They're both abandoned us on grand final week. Been a breezy show though, hasn't it? That has been been quite breezy. solid with that, I've got to say. <laughs> but we can always rely on Pete. <laughs> what have you got for us, mate?
7: Morning, Tim. Morning, Mitch. Uh, well, grand final week. so I've And we are celebrating Tina Turner. Mm. So I've scouted pretty wide um, had the research team working overtime, and I found a, a little Tina Turner obscure fact way back when. If you remember the band Creedence Clearwater Revival, oh,
3: rem- do I remember with John Fogerty and, and his from the brother. radio this morning? I do uh,
7: absolutely, and um, had a plethora of hit songs. One of which was "Proud Mary." When Creedence Clearwater split up in the early seventies. Uh, John Fogarty had a massive falling out with his record company and the publishers, so much so that he refused to play any of his own songs for the next 15 years because okay. he didn't want to earn money for this company that he, was, that he despised and was arguing with. Yep. And then fast forward to 1987, we are in a small blues club in uh, in, Los, in uh, Hollywood and a musician called Taj Mahal is playing there. A lot of you would never have heard of him. Um, and John Fogarty went to the gig and thought, I'm just going to sit on the side of the room here anonymously so no one can see me. He spied on the other side of the room, somebody also trying to hide in the crowd anonymously, and it was Bob Dylan. He went over and had a chat to Bob Dylan. And then another person who was in the club anonymously at the same time was George Harrison. Right, this is bizarre.
2: There's a trio.
7: Uh, absolutely. All gone, club. All gone to a small club in Hollywood on the same night, unaware that the other two were going. And then someone mentioned to Taj Mahal that they were in the building, so got them all up for a spontaneous uh, jam session. Um, and at some point towards the end of the jam, Dylan said to John Fogarty, we've got to do Proud Mary. And... Uh, uh, and... Fogarty said, no, I'm not doing it, and told him why because of this ongoing dispute, and Dylan said, mate, if you don't start playing your own songs, people are going to think that a Proud Mary's a Tina Turner song, and, <laughs> there you go. and Fogarty sort of thought you might be right, so they played it on the spot for the first time in 15 years, wow. and and then that sort of kick-started John to reclaim his catalogue uh, of songs and started to play the, the Creason's Clearwater uh, back catalogue after that, so... Um, in, in order to reclaim his own music, almost. Extraordinary. W-
2: wouldn't you love to have been in that room? I know. Just one of the great experiences.
7: And there is a very, I mean, before phones, before, you know, uh, you know it, somebody had the, there was a, project, a film camera there. Somebody actually did film snippets of it. Uh, and There is a tiny, weeny bit of audio. on after they played Proud Mary he uh, said, um, how do you like that, Tina? Or something. But said it good naturedly, you yeah, know. Yeah. And he said before he played it, he said, I'm going to play this next song because Bob Dylan's asked me to.
2: Well, we're going to see the best of Tina Turner's hits with the uh, the tribute um, before the game tomorrow. To get you in the mood for the NRL Grand Final, this is how Brisbane and Penrith qualified for the decider.
4: Three gone in the first half, right-hand side, Kenny. He goes away to He show and go to Edwards. Edwards to Brian, Tottenham. Oh, and Tottenham dives in the corner. What a start for Penrith. Goes to Liam Martin, who palmed away one! can clear up the middle. Armini. Now he links up and it's Cleary next to the post. Well, that might be the big step towards the grand final. Five seconds to
2: go. Penrith, you're off the grand final. Four in a
1: row. 38 points to four. The Penrith Panthers defeat the Melbourne Storm. A half a metre out, Walters goes himself. The crowd erupts. Billy Walters has scored for the Brisbane Broncos. Here come the Broncos. Reynolds, oh. Walsh, dummy. Oh. Reese Walsh oh, almost boy. through, picks out Sobo. Play on the call. Akobo on the inside to Jordan Rickey, who sets off on the try line. Jordan Rickey, he scores for Brisbane
2: i Tia tell you what, boys, great play, but that was a mile forward back on the inside. Walsh,
1: quick hands, Farnworth, Herbie Farnworth, he's got his second party time here tonight at the Cauldron.
2: I'm excited for this grand final tomorrow night, Penrith. And Brisbane, we've talked about it, we've given our tips. Mitch Jennings, you're going Brisbane, I'm going Penrith. I'm going to lean towards, and I know Senators don't win Clive Churchill medals, but I'm actually going to lean towards Stephen Crichton, because I think if he can do a really big job, particularly on Reese Walsh on that side, um, and he might even pinch a couple of tries along the way if Penrith are going to win, so I reckon he can have a really big game. Yeah, you're right, you might get
3: some value there, because as you said, Senators don't often... Uh, win. I'm trying to remember the last one, maybe Sean Berrigan, but he was playing, he spent half the game at Hooker back in 2006, <laughs> So yeah. Yeah. got me home on a claw Cheshire Medal punt, but you're right. And look, it's one of those situations, isn't it? Reese Walsh is in such superlative form, you almost become men of the match purely by limiting his opportunities and shutting him down if it can be done. So that just that says a lot about the probably the form that Reese Walsh is in. Uh, that uh, you know that could play as you said, Stephen Crichton. He's he has a rare ability, doesn't he, as a centre to to have influence on the on the impact of on the impact of games. It, yeah. It's rare the centres it, in a lot of ways. It's a position that. That has had that has gone away from being pivotal as it, as it once was. It's become it has become something of a you know, you're an extra back row all the time. It's yeah. it's very important defensively, it's become a very defensive position. But so we don't see centers sort of in that frame and certainly in that Clive Churchill medal middle frame, like you said, but Steve Crotton seems to be one who's uh managed to sort of elevate himself. Uh, above that.
2: Well, so. and he can score tries, he can save tries, and he can get an intercept, and I think that's really going to worry the Broncos, because they will be conscious of that when they go out towards him there trying to attack the line. Alright, we've got one more break left in us, and we'll be back to wrap it up Saturday.
1: There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havil. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track.
2: to get you excited about a grand final weekend. We're just speaking to Pete, the perfect panel puncher from Putney, and relating to uh, grand final records, well, Nathan Cleary can cement one of the great records with a third premiership in a row, but Pete, you've got a hell of a record yourself.
7: Uh, I'm not sure if it's a record, Tim, but yes, yeah, so this will be my 54th grand final um, that I've attended. So I went to the first one as a as a 10-year-old mm. uh, and I've only missed the one since when it went to Queensland of course of COVID otherwise I've been to one in Sydney you're
2: saying that's a Balmain premiership which gave you Tigers for life as much that's as it's right. a struggle these
7: days it is absolutely it, is, but it was a wonderful way to start Yeah, beating the unbeatable South Sydney it's funny the first grand final you I peaked like, early didn't you, that's, <laughs> you, think about it. you go, that's how it went
2: it's funny though Like the first grand final I remember was 88 and when the Bulldogs beat the Tigers in the grand mm. final and I actually wasn't trying to tie that together but now I have mm. um and that that just had me locked in because the Mortimers and the Brentnalls were from Wagga, yes. and I grew up in Wagga, so mm-hmm. that was it. There were so many um, people in my generation that are Bulldogs fans for that exact reason because growing up in Wagga and watching you know the success of the Mortimers yeah. and the Brentnalls in the
7: eighties. So. The, Bre- the great Brentnall bomb for Steve Guerin in nineteen eighty is still one of the great moments. First, I remember
3: if you paying into it, like I said, I'm, a, I'm now a lapsed Broncos fan, but I was a Broncos fan early on when the. Uh, the old man tried to turn me into a Panthers fan and the ran story. But the first grand final, I remember, is uh, the Pearl going the length, obviously, for, for Brisbane in, in that one. So, yeah, probably turned a lot of people into, into Brisbane fans for that generation too. It's funny how those things happen.
2: Your old man must be filthy.
3: He's filthy. Of all the games he could have taken me to.
2: Especially this weekend.
3: Yeah, exactly. Well, this week, like I said, I'm lapsed, so I'm not really going to be rubbing too much in New I haven't been throwing a lot of smack. He was, the OJ was drinking at the Caxton Hotel this week, actually. He was up there on a on a conference, as he likes was to he? call these junkets. So <laughs> yeah. he said, I'm drinking in Ami Am- Am- territory. I so, said, have you got your Panthers jersey on? And he said, no, and, yeah, that's a cow. So he's obviously not that confident, the OJ. Big so, weekend up there the in Brisbane,
2: Brisbane with both the Lions and the Broncos in the grand final. Thanks to Wollongong Golf Club. Thanks to Avcon, Ryan Burke and the team at avconprojects.com.au to impact garage doors and to the Illawarra Mercury. Also to our guests today, Tasha Gale and Paul Smith. It's been fantastic bringing you a grand final edition of Saturdays in the Gong. We'll be back next week, 8 to 10 a.m.